CX Chronicles podcast. This is the show for customer service managers, VPs of customer experience, and all of you other CXers out there. Every week, we are going to dig into topics, challenges, wins, and updates in the CX and customer service community. I'm your host, Adrian Brady Chisana. Check us out at CXChronicles.com. Feel free to reach out to us anytime. Thank you so much for being a part of the CX Chronicles Nation. Today's guest is Dan Gingis, keynote speaker, author, and customer experience consultant out of the Chicago area. Dan's been a keynote speaker and consultant on customer experience, social media, and marketing. During his career, he's been obsessed with customers, learning how to market to them, learning how to provide customer experience, and working with the executives at three different Fortune 300 companies to build out those digital customer experience strategies. Dan spent nearly 10 years at Discover Financial Services, finishing as head of digital customer experience and social media for the last three years. Dan also spent time as the head of digital marketing at Humana in Chicago, leading the digital marketing strategy and execution for a massive healthcare company. And Dan even spent time at McDonald's as a senior director of global social media. Dan helped to lead the Global Social Media Center of Excellence in charge of developing best practices and strategic guidance for the 120-plus McDonald's markets around the world. Today, Dan's working on his own company and is the Chief Experience Officer at Winning Customer Experience. Dan's taken the years of experience and know-how working at these large companies to begin helping other business owners and executives do the same types of things within their own companies. Dan also writes for Forbes, and you'll find a bunch of awesome articles by searching for Dan Gingis customer experience consultant. We're super excited to have Dan on the show today to tell his story and talk with the CX Nation about how you need to be thinking about customer experience optimization to grow your business into the future. Zendesk, the platform where all the action is. Help with customer interactions across phone, chat, email, social media, and any other channel that you can imagine. All coming together in one place. Ask CX Chronicles how Zendesk can help your business today. Hey, Dan, thanks so much for joining the CX Chronicles podcast today. I appreciate it, Adrian. Excited to be here and looking forward to our conversation. Absolutely. No, we're excited to have you. Uh, Dan, you've got an awesome story. You've got a, a ton of great experience working uh, you know, at a, at a variety of different business in a variety of different industries. Um, so I'm really, really excited to have you on the show today and, and, and chatting with the CX Nation. Um, I'd love to start off by just kind of giving you the mic, my friend. I'd love to for you to take five, five minutes or so to talk with the CX Nation about your personal elevator pitch and how you got into customer experience, customer service leadership, and management, how you landed to where you are today. Absolutely. Well, thank you. I, I'm actually a 20-year career marketer, so I've spent my entire career in 
in various marketing departments across uh, big companies, small companies. I spent a lot of time at uh, Discover Humana McDonald's, so Fortune 300 large companies. And it really was at, at a role at Discover where I became the head of digital customer experience that was, believe it or not, a marketing role. It was within the marketing department. Department, but I oversaw the website, which had uh, 50 plus million logins a month, and I oversaw my first social media team. So I've actually led social at all three of those big companies. But the first time that I got into social media, I realized immediately that it wasn't any other marketing channel. It wasn't like any other marketing channel because people could talk back to you. Yep. And I thought that was fascinating, right? You can't, it really doesn't apply to any other marketing channel. And so I immediately, I don't want to say that I dismissed it as a, as a media marketing channel, but I, I immediately became fascinated by this other piece of it, which was really kind of the servicing piece, if you will, or the community engagement piece. And that really started my, uh, um, my love for customer experience, that and this working on this website, which had just so many, um, dynamic mini experiences within it. And and that was where I learned that I could, you know, for example, uh, get rid of easy, you know, low hanging fruit pain points, customer pain points and make a big difference in customer satisfaction. So those things got me super excited. And um, and I had continued to pursue this idea of customer service and social media. I ended up uh, creating a podcast, eventually writing a book about it. And then over time, as more and more companies got good at this customer service thing and social, I really started looking more expansively at customer experience broadly. And what I, the conclusion that I came to, uh, that I think you probably agree with me on, is that I really believe that a remarkable customer experience can be your best marketing. And that when you provide memorable experiences for customers, Customers. We always use the word remarkable on my current podcast uh, because remarkable means literally worthy of remark, worthy of talking about. And when we create those kinds of experiences, we create a whole army of marketers, we people who are talking about our company in a positive way. And, and we all know that's much more effective than any paid media. And so that is really uh, kind of how I emerged from marketing into customer experience. Uh, and then just at the beginning of this year, I went off on my own for the first time and started a business as a keynote speaker and experience consultant. And it was funny on, on LinkedIn, um, the two most common responses were one, what took you so long? Because <laughs> I think people knew that at some point, uh, you know, corporate America just probably wasn't, uh, wasn't big enough for me. Uh, and secondly, I had a lot of people come out of the woodwork with projects and other opportunities that now that I was available, um, I could take a look at. So it's been really, Really exciting. Um, it definitely a different experience working for yourself. But um, I always used to tell people when I interviewed for jobs that I'm not a morning person. So I judged my job satisfaction based on the number of times I hit snooze in the morning. <laughs> and uh, I, I always wanted a zero snooze job. And, and that's what I have right now is I get up every morning and I'm excited to go to work. It's only a few steps away in my office, my home office, but uh, I'm having a lot of fun. That's awesome. I mean, so 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 first things first for for the listeners of the show, as you can imagine, when Dan and I connected a, a few weeks ago, we both hit it off right away. We have very similar very similar paths. We have very similar interests. We're both uh, fanatical about 
customer experiences and just kind of really sort of pulling all of these different businesses and these different business leaders into what we think is the modern world of where customer experience is directly tied to your bottom line. It's it's directly how you're going to grow your business into the future. And, and, and frankly, it's directly how you're going to keep awesome teammates and employees serving those customers each and every day. So Dan, awesome stuff. Uh, thanks, thanks for sharing that. I have a, a few questions already right out of the gates before we even hop into the into the four CX pillar. So, you talked a little bit about you know really kind of being in, in in a world where you've worked at a variety of these big corporations and you've managed and seen some huge, huge scale in numbers. You you just said fifty million uh, interactions, you know, a month. I would love to talk a little bit about as you know, Dan. A lot of the, the a lot of the listeners to this show. They're startup founders, they're business executives. We have all sorts of different folks from different sized companies. But with the whole social media part of the story that you just talked about, I would love to just kind of pick your brain on, regardless of a company size, what are some of the where are some of the starting points when you when you've worked with these businesses or worked with these executives on what the major levers are for 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 what they need to be thinking about to optimize their social media? Sure. Well, I think the first is, is you don't have to be everywhere. Um, a lot of people ask me, well, what social media channels do I need to be in? And my answer is, is sometimes um, <laughs> it's not exactly what they were hoping for because I don't list a whole bunch of uh, channels. What I tell them is you got to be where your customers are. Yeah. And so, for example, when I worked for Humana, um, our main product was Medicare Advantage. We were marketing to seniors, 65 and above. It's not shocking to say that we weren't on Snapchat. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. it just was not where our audience was. So you're saying now, as we all know, our, our, are not Snapchat. <laughs> they are not. But we do know that they're on Facebook. They're That's on true. Facebook they 100% quite, are. quite often. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. So Facebook was a terrific channel for us. Uh, and depending on your business, that's how you have to determine which channels to be in. And then I think the second thing is, is that you've got to listen to your audience and always respond. And I think a lot, especially smaller companies, uh, tend to be intimidated by especially Twitter because they're worried about people complaining. And I always tell people, don't be afraid of complaints because number one, complaints are precious feedback yep. that tell you what you need to do better on. And also I believe that people who have legitimate complaints, I'm not talking about trolls here. I'm talking about people who have a, a legit complaint with the experience. They're complaining because they care and they want you to resolve the issue that they're having if they didn't care they would be off at your competitor already yep. and not wasting their time yep. right so what is great about complaints and i have tons of stories uh, you know tons of examples but what's great about complaints is you can actually turn a brand detractor into a brand advocate simply by helping them out and solving their problem and so that's to me you know what i would advise to especially smaller companies that that aren't going to have gigantic social media teams is don't feel like you have to be everywhere be where your customer are, but listen to what they're saying and always respond. That's great. That's great advice. And I think the other thing too, is it's spot on specifically the piece around always have to respond. It's amazing, Dan, how many people, um, I talk to business owners, or even when you get into bigger companies where maybe there isn't a really firm grasp around what the communication standards are across these different social media challenge, uh, channels around response rates, right? So yeah, it might, it might suck that you have someone that, that calls you out and says that your team did a lousy job and your product isn't what I thought it was. But 
the the thing that you got to remember is the way that the business actually responds to that type of customer, it speaks volumes for other future users who are going to have really positive experiences. And 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 when they see the way that a company responds to that, they address the matter, they 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 let them know exactly where they can uh, you know, communicate. It it makes these other future buyers feel good about the fact that okay, if this goes south, at least I know that I've got some service and I've got some some folks on the other end that are at least going to try to me, try to help me navigate my problem. So 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 great points there. Um, yeah, and and if I just add one more thing, Adrian, and that, you're 100 percent right. And the other side of that is, you know, I, what I love to teach companies to do it in both my my keynotes and as well as my consulting is how to create more positive experiences that people share so that you can alter the sentiment on social, right? You can actually move the needle so that your positivity outweighs your negativity. Or as we used to say at McDonald's, the lovers are louder than the haters, but it's also really important that you respond to those brand lovers because this is also the only customer service channel where people compliment you. You know, I always love to tell the joke if I'm talking to uh, contact center people, you know, how many raise your hand and if you've answered the telephone uh, in the last month and somebody called your toll-free number just to tell you how great of a job you're doing, right? And everybody laughs, laughs because it never happens. Yeah, no, it doesn't. But social, when people take time out of their day to compliment you, I find it shocking that so many companies ignore that. And that is an opportunity to take a loyalist and really make them just lock them in uh, as being a, a brand advocate, you know, forever. Absolutely. And I have to ask a follow-up question, Dan. Who doesn't love McDonald's? <laughs> oh, well, lots of people don't love McDonald's. Uh, we got the animal rights people. We've got the uh, anti-obesity people. Okay, got... okay. All right. Fair, 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 fair. <laughs> I was joking. But um, I, 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 think you, I think you're absolutely right. It's, it's an understanding of the levers. And then more importantly, there's another uh, – so Dan does some awesome stuff, guys, and all these writing contributions for Forbes and for some other, for some other places. And one of the things I remember, Dan, that one of your recent articles kind of talked about was just like knowing how to – how to leverage those promoters like so if you get that good feedback and you're getting that good stuff if you 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 get creative with how you can take it maybe spread it across other channels so for example let's say that you're seeing all this awesome feedback come through your mps or your csat uh reporting right pull that stuff out and make it your next facebook uh post or pull that stuff out and make it your next Instagram post. You get these cool things where you can literally see what customers are saying about your product or your service or your business that just entices the next future buyer or future customer to come on down that pipeline and try it themselves. So I I really think that a lot of that is, is really, really great uh, direction, Dan. Well, yeah, I mean, you're, you're sounding like a marketer right now, which is great. I mean, it, it, the, the goal, the Holy grail for marketers is word of mouth marketing. The problem is is that oftentimes we'll have CMOs say to us, well, can't you just create a viral video? And, you know, we all know that that doesn't just happen, yeah. right? But word of mouth marketing is what you get when you create positive experiences. And you're absolutely right. You have to nurture that. You have to share that across channels so that other people who are considering doing business with you say, man, this is a great company to work with. I want to give them my money as well. Yep. Yep. I totally agree. Dan, let's jump into the first pillar of team. So you've already set the stage in terms of all the all, all the different experience tracks that you've had and all the different businesses that you've been in. I'd love for you to take a couple of minutes to talk with us about this first pillar of team. So what are some of the major themes or some of the major trends that you've seen uh, different businesses or different different leadership teams really sort of become laser focused on 
to develop a really strong team. Can you talk about that for a couple minutes? Yeah, well, I think where this starts is this question of where does customer experience fit in the organization? And I think that that's really an evolving question that to me is pretty fascinating because you've got some companies that look at customer experience as its own individual department. And that can work. Uh, and I do think it is important that there are people within an organization that are 100% focused on customer experience. The challenge becomes that you don't want to create yet another silo within your business. I mean, most businesses suffer from too many silos. So creating another one doesn't always solve that problem unless they have the authority to really affect change in the other silos. Yep. The other way of looking at customer experience, and I've been in companies that have looked at it this way, is, well, customer experience is everybody's job. Yeah. So we don't need a separate department for it. It should be everybody's job. And and that has pluses and minuses as well. The, the pluses is you get all of your employees thinking from a customer's point of view. The minus is that if you look at their written goals, customer experience ends up being like 5% of their goals. And so you know what happens when you have five, you know, when you've got all these goals on your plate and they're, and they're, they're allocated percentages, the one with 5% doesn't get a whole lot of attention. Yep. And so it, it, you know, to say that it's everybody's job, I think is correct. But uh, if there's really no leader, I don't think things really get done. Yeah. The second trend that I'm seeing, and, and so I, I guess my advice there is I do think you need a separate department that has been given the authority to, you know, work with and affect change in all of the other departments, as well as making sure that you have an entire workforce that understands that whether you are a marketer, whether you are in in a retail store behind you know a cashier, whether you're in the finance department, whether you're in the legal department, you're all in customer experience because every decision that you make ends up affecting some customer down the line. Uh, so I think that's really an important concept. But the other thing that I think is really interesting is I'm starting to see this um, th this kind of interaction now or melding of marketing and customer experience, which of course is fascinating to me because of my background. But you're starting to see CX fall under the CMO in a lot of places. Yep. So some places, you know, decided to create a chief experience officer, a chief customer officer. The ones that didn't have really mostly put CX under the chief marketing officer, which I think is interesting. Um, it's interesting because most CMOs aren't classically trained in customer experience, right? Yep. They're, they're trained in marketing. And so there, a lot of them have been given big budgets, asked to affect change as it pertains to experience and are not necessarily trained to do that. And I think that is an interesting dilemma that, that is eventually going to have to get resolved. And I think over some time, you're going to start to see uh, CMOs looking a little bit different in terms of their previous experience. And I, I think you'll start to see uh, less classically trained marketers and more um, sort of broader business people that understand this relationship between marketing and CX. I mean, after all, marketing and advertising and branding are often the first experience we have with a company before we even become a customer. And so, and, and this is where the promises are made. This is where our expectations are set that end up either being delivered or missed by other areas of the, of the company. If you're in a smaller company or if you're in a B2B, you know, this is the place where the sale is made. And then, you know, there's either a smooth handoff or more often than not a, 
a less than smooth handoff to some account manager that is managing um, the the client and either delivering on that big promise or you know sort of peeling back the uh, the curtain and and the client is realizing that maybe the product isn't what was what was advertised. So I think that the, the trend of CX and marketing and customer service all becoming really one team, I think is you're going to see more of that. And I've, I've definitely seen some big companies, including uh, at least one that I used to work at, where those are all now a single department. They all are under a single leader. And I do think that's the right way forward. Yep. I think that, 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 that that's great points there, Dan. And certainly the experiences that I've had, I know, in, 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 in my journey, right, I've, I've worked super close with, with whomever is running marketing. Um, and I think to take it to another level, Dan, you're spot on where when you, when you think about your company or your business's funnel, right, or your pipeline, and you think about it from the very top to the very bottom, very top is you're putting people in, you're putting leads and opportunities in the top to try to pull them through that funnel, pull them through that pipeline and get them to be a converted, reoccurring using customer, right? Marketing and CX being together allows you to have clarity around what's happening inside of that 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 funnel or inside of that pipeline because especially with some of the tools and this is a great segue into our next pillar but especially with some of the tools that are available today whether it's whether it's your CRM Salesforce or whether it's your issue resolution management system Zendesk right you've got all of these different customer interactions which which give you all of these different focused data sets that when you start to piece out and map out what that funnel journey looks like using the given data that you have and using all of the knowledge from the customer interactions that you've got, you are literally talking about a modern day hyped up marketing customer experience machine that can really drive uh, a, a, a ton of great progress. You know, Dan, I, I always say on the show, customer experience is modern selling. So I, I totally agree with you where if you're if you're listening to those nodes and you're you're focused on the different slates of the pipeline or the funnel and you know how to how to shift, move or, or, or sort of manipulate those different facets into whichever direction you're trying to strategically go, you're already a little bit ahead of the game. And having having your marketing and your sales and your customer experience in a close place, it gets you there faster. So couldn't agree more. Dan, with that being said, the next the next pillar of tools. So everything you said about team, totally agree, spot on, get it. How do you think about tools to be able to arm that army with, with the right type of equipment that they need to be able to go and manage your customers each day? I'd love for you to take a couple minutes to talk with us about what you've seen work really well uh, as it relates to tools and equipping your team for battle. Sure. Well, um, well, full disclosure, I'm going to be broad here and, and not name tools because I, I work with some of these guys. And so um, I, I just want to be careful. But totally. um, but I would say a, a couple things. Um, I am a believer in uh, seeking out best in class tools if your goal is to have a best in class experience. And I had this I had this happen at uh, Discover. It was kind of interesting. We were working with a a company for uh, social media. And we did an RFP and we were looking at both publishers and customer service companies and companies that did both. And we ended up choosing two different companies, one to for our, our social media marketing and publishing and one for our social media customer service. And the one that we chose for publishing 
actually did both. And it was a, it's the only time in my career where I've awarded a company some business and they were disappointed and, and upset with me. And the reason was, is they really wanted to do both for us. And I explained to them that our, our goal was to be best in class in both of these. And our belief was, was that they were best in class on the publishing side, but not on the servicing side. And that there was a different company that was best in class there. And so we went with both. Now, was that a little bit more expensive? It was. Was it a little bit tougher for our IT department? Because we had to onboard two vendors instead of one? It was. But I am usually wary of companies that tell me that they can do everything, that they can do, you know, that they're everything to everyone. And there are a lot of companies out there, especially uh, in that sort of CRM space that uh, that believe that they can really take on every piece of software that a company ever needs in one package. And I am, again, I'm usually skeptical of that because the way that a lot of these gigantic companies have been built is they, they built some of their own software. They purchased other software from others and tried to integrate it. And I believe if you're trying to be everything to everyone, it's really hard to be best in class at everything. You know, when you, when you sort of take a look, some of these big companies that I, I like to refer to as all in ones or enterprise platforms, they are best in class at some of the things they do. They're just not best in class at all of the things they do. And, and you have to weigh for yourself whether that is more or less important than having everything under one roof and making it a little bit simpler from an IT perspective. And again, I, I mean, I can't tell you what's right or wrong for your business, but at least in my experience, it's been really important to work with the best in class vendors because you find that the best in class understand um, they've they've gone just a little bit farther in understanding the use cases and understanding the user experience of their platform of of making um, the whole system intuitive so that anybody you know you don't have to go through days and days of training just to you know get certified on the platform you can just turn the darn thing on and use it. Yep. Um, and I think the, those companies have done a little bit more. So I don't know if this exactly answers your question, but but this is kind of how I think about tools. And in my book, I talk about, you know, social care tools specifically. Um, and I go through this idea of all in ones versus uh, specific tools that are built only for service. And and I do think that either answer is okay. Lots of companies have been successful using um, both methods. Um, but I think it's, it's one of those things you've got to take a look at to see where the exactly where the priorities are. Yep, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, th I think that you know, a common conversation, Dan, that we have at CX Chronicles with our clients is, is often around their toolkit, if you will. So as you start piecing together multiple tools, multiple solutions, that's when things can get pretty hairy, right? Because you've got maybe for, for, for one team or one department, tool number one works phenomenal. It's everything they need. It gives them all their day-to-day -day levers and pulleys that they need to run their part of the game. Whereas maybe you move the camera to another side of the business and they're saying, you know, we don't get anything from that tool. It doesn't give us any of the, the, the visibility points that we need. We don't, we don't see any of the stuff that we have to spend all of our days on. And I think it's important where you're right. Best in class helps to eliminate a lot of that internal friction. Um, best of class also oftentimes allows f to, to, to keep a simpler toolkit earlier on in a, in a startup or, or in a growth company's um, journey. And, and I think that it's important where 
if you can eliminate that 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 ever expanding, overly complicated, fully underutilized toolkit, which also does nothing but add burn and and cash spend to your bottom line of your startup or your business, it it makes for a huge difference. So 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 totally agree with you there. Now, with with having gone through tools, I'd love to move move forward to the third pillar of process. So tools are one thing, but having process and having guidelines and having a streamlined approach for how you need your team using those tools is a completely separate ballgame. Dan, I'd love for you to spend a couple minutes to talk with us about how do you think about, as, you, as you're working with these different businesses or even drawing from your past experiences at, at McDonald's and Discover, what, how do you think about the evolution or the development of processes so that teams know exactly what their, what their game plans need to look like on a given day? So I think the two pieces of process that I tend to focus on the most are removing pain points and finding opportunities to add extraordinary experiences. And I'll, I'll hit on both of those separately, but this removing pain points piece, really what it takes is you have to put yourself in the shoes of the customer. And I mean, literally not figuratively. So if you are not a customer of your own product, you have to be, if you're running a website and you don't have, uh, you know, access to that website or, or an account that you can go in and, and be a customer, you have to do that. Um, secondly, you've got to be listening to all of the feedback that you get. And that identifies this low hanging fruit that you can remove barriers. So I'll give you an example. When I was at uh, Discover, we had a survey mechanism at the bottom of every page. It's a company called Opinion Lab. And uh, it just was this little floating plus minus sign and, and customers could click on any page on the website. And when they did, we'd ask them three questions and then there's a comment field. And oftentimes people clicked on it because they were having some problem on that page and they wanted to tell us about it. Well, the three questions that we asked were actually based on the Forrester Customer Experience Index. And one of them was, how easy was it to do business with Discover today? So I asked, uh, strangely for the first time, because nobody had asked this before, I asked for a report of every page on our website, and there were thousands of pages, sorted by the score of this ease question. And I obviously wanted to know, I wanted to look at it in reverse order. So the, the pages that people thought were the most difficult rose to the top. Well, the number one page, or I guess maybe the, the bottom page, depending on how you look at it, um, was a very important page for us. It was a refer a friend page. So this is the page where you go in and you list your friend's email addresses. And every time you refer somebody who becomes a Discover Card member, you get $50. So people really like this. We really like it. Well, it turns out that as so I, I couldn't quite figure out immediately why that the ratings on this page were so bad. So we turned to the comments. And what we found very quickly was with certain browsers, the submit button wasn't showing up. So people were filling in all these emails and then they didn't know what to do with it. And it was annoying them, understandably. Well, we fixed that very easily. It was a simple code change. And immediately the scores on that page returned back to normal. So I said, all right, well, this is interesting. Why don't we do this for the next 100 pages? And that's exactly what we did. We went through 100, 100 pages that had the worst ratings, and we investigated the comments. And what was happening was, you know, when there was a big problem on the website, we would get enough comments on our daily report that we could tell there was a problem. 
things like the refer a friend page didn't get thousands of hits every day. And so maybe there'd be a trickle here or a comment there over the course of several weeks. And so on a daily report, you're not seeing it. And this allowed us really to dig in and immediately find the problems with these, uh, at least with the top 100 pages. And by removing all of those barriers, the satisfaction rates skyrocketed it skyrocket. And I attribute that process to being one of the key reasons why Discover won the J.D. Power Award for the very first time that year, uh, taking it away from Amex, who had won it seven years in a row. And all we did was remove customer barriers and, and get rid of pain points. So I always think that is the best place to start is just become your own customer, go through the process, listen to other customers and just get rid of the stuff that's annoying them because we all have enough annoyance in our life with companies that we don't need to be one of those companies causing strife with our customers. Then you can focus on creating extraordinary experiences. And I always like to tell people that extraordinary really only needs to be just a bit above ordinary. It doesn't need to be completely out of this world, OMG, you know, crazy experience. It just has to be a little bit better than expected. And I think there's lots of ways to do that. This is actually the, the really the content of my main keynote speech is, is how to create these experiences. And a lot of it is just looking for opportunities to do a little bit better. And for example, I, I love to start my speeches out by showing different uh, signs, retail signs, because I think signage is so interesting because it's often one of the first things that we see when we walk into a store or a restaurant, and it really sets the expectation for what that experience is going to be like. And I found a bunch of signs that just with a couple of word changes you know, can convert what is a perfectly ordinary sign into something that people want to take a picture of and share with their friends because it's funny or it's witty or it's cool or it's just a little bit different. And it doesn't cost anything. It's really easy to do. Uh, and then when you sort of start to focus on things like that, you realize there's lots of other opportunities to do that. You can look at your website, for example, and you can say, well, man, are we explaining things in long paragraphs or, you know, are we doing it in in short bullet points? Or do we have this really long disclosure because our lawyers made it right, made us write it? Or maybe we could sit down with them and figure out how to shorten that or make it more user-friendly. To me, the, the words that we use are great, is a great place to start in terms of making the experience better. And then I think you also can find things. One other Discover example is uh, we had a feature that actually was around for a long time that we never marketed. And our CMO identified it uh, and said, wow, this is really cool. We should be talking about it. And, you know, she took a branding team and put a name on it. And we called it um, Freeze, Freeze, the Freeze It, which yeah. is the, the card is the card sure. and freeze is simply the ability to turn on and off your card well yep. turns out not only do customers love that and didn't know that it existed but pretty much every card now has copied discover and has that functionality and all we did was take something that was already there and talk about it right and so th these are when you're paying attention like that these opportunities present themselves Yep. No, I, I, I think that that's, it, it really does make perfect sense. There's two, there's two major points, Dan, that you brought up that I want to, I want to kind of run back to you. So friction points, friction points, number one, spot on the money, man. You got to be thinking about every single day with your team. How do you eliminate or mitigate friction points? Uh, I know another, another very easily, easy way that I've sort of um, worked with past teams or past clients and in, in conceptualizing this is daily annoyances. 
if there's daily annoyances that either you as an operator of a business or a customer continue to run into, there's some type of process or workflow optimization that needs to be done around that. Because if you keep having friction and daily annoyances inside of your business's customer journey map, it's going to be tough to keep people loving you and keep promoters around. And, and, and it's going to kind of be hard to keep that organic word of mouth marketing and customer experience stuff that we've been talking about in this, in this episode. It's going to be hard for that to fester. And I, I think that that's a really, really great point for, for our listeners to be thinking about as how they can start working inside of their own businesses. Um, the, the, the third thing, Dan, feedback. And, and again, great lead in for the fourth, for the fourth pillar of feedback. When, when you've, so you've seen feedback collected, aggregated, assessed, analyzed in a variety of different ways, right? And then you've had the luxury of, of seeing what this looks like at huge global businesses. I'd love for you to share in, in a couple of minutes, what some of the major, the major focus points or the major advice points that you'd have for our listeners who are thinking about optimizing their own customer feedback with their businesses today. What would be the, the 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 two or three key pieces of advice that you'd give them as they start building out their feedback strategies? Well, the first obvious one, and I don't mean to be Captain Obvious here, is you have to solicit the feedback. And uh, I say that because I've also worked at smaller companies that didn't bother to do that, that never asked their customers how things were going, that never measured customer satisfaction in any way, and really only looked at satisfaction as did the client renew? Yep. And, you know, did they did they sign on again? And that was the that was the ultimate um, definer of satisfaction. That doesn't mean they're satisfied at all. What it means is they don't have any other option yeah. <laughs> or uh, or what or, or maybe they're a little lazy or whatever it is. So I think measuring it and, and soliciting it is really important. And then the second piece of that is don't solicit any feedback that you're not willing to take action on. And, you know, it's like I, I was working with a client recently and I brought up a piece of feedback because they're not only are they my client, but I'm a customer of theirs. And I said, you know, this is one of these things I've noticed about your experience for a long, long time. And everyone around the table sort of at the same time, both rolled their eyes and nodded their heads. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what? And they said, yeah, we know that's a problem. Well, if you know it's a problem, why aren't you doing something about it, right? I mean, it's like if you're if you're getting this feedback and it's showing up on your report and you know it's a problem, why is it just hanging out there? And and I think that a lot of the reason for that tends to be because the technology department has other priorities, and you know maybe they're launching a big new mobile app or it's usually some big project. And one of the things that I found was effective or can be really effective is to have a single programmer, a single, um, uh, you know, person who can work on these little annoyances, your daily annoyances. I love that term. Um, and if you have a single IT person that's focused on that, then you don't have to take them away from bigger projects and you don't have to have bigger projects constantly trump these little problems that never go away. Um, and, and as you as you note, if they're daily annoyances, these are things that annoy people over and over again. And I think that's just as important as whatever the next big project is. But it's really hard to get that prioritization, especially in a big in a big and small company in a big company itself, because there's so many other people vying for that prioritization. And in a small company, the problem is you don't have the resources. So you're focused on sort of one project at a time. So I suggest whether it's a contractor, uh, 
um, or you know maybe 50% of an employee's time, focus them on getting these little things fixed so that they don't fester. Yep, that's that's awesome advice, and it's it's funny that you say that because I think that this is literally most startups biggest challenge which is the two things to your point resources right just do you have the resources to actually put 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 the right players on on the right parts of the field that's number one but dan the second thing is just and you and i we've talked about this a, a, a few times leading up to the show which is prioritization man like executives running these businesses gotta take a minute i mean literally every day to make sure that the prioritization and the different points of focus that they're essentially broadcasting throughout the organization, again, small, medium, or large company, does not matter here. If they're not taking the time to set those goals and be really, really clear about what the top priorities are, you're already setting up all these different silos or teams or departments, whatever you want to call it, depending on the size of your business. You're already setting them up to be in a, a, a bit of a wobbly wobbly starting foot foot place, right? And, and, and it's something that you got to think about because – Man, as these businesses get bigger, as more challenges come up, as more day-to-day fires arise, that battling for prioritization gets more and more and more difficult and complex. There's always competing interests. There's always competing priorities. And uh, it's really, really critical for, 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 for these business leaders to make sure that they're helping to set that direction for their business. For sure. And also, every time we launch a new product or a new experience, it's not perfect. So you have to go back. I mean, you cre- in other words, you create problems every time you launch something great as well, yep. because it never works perfectly the first time. It never works exactly as designed. Customers sometimes use it or interpret it differently than we expect. And so to me, this is sort of continuous improvement. If you kind of go back to yeah, a, a, yeah. a lean in concept totally uh, and that you have to be you've got to be continuously improving as well as continuously innovating and and doing one but not the other leads to a choppy inconsistent experience yep exactly no totally it it absolutely does so dan look as we wind down the show i want to make sure that i give you an opportunity to talk about and highlight anything that you'd like with the CX Nation, anything that you'd like our our listeners to know about what you and your team are working on, and then more importantly, Dan, where people can get in touch with you and can reach out to you if they've got any questions based off of some of the things that we've talked about in today's episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, Adrian. Um, Like I said, uh, my big thing right now is I'm off on my own and I am doing keynote speeches and experience consulting. Um, So if you know of any events, corporate or conferences that are looking for uh, fun new speakers and, you know, I'm a believer like you are, uh, since we're preaching customer experience, uh, it's really important that we create an experience when we, when we do it, right? We've got to, got to practice what we preach. And so when I'm on stage, Uh, I'm not going to give away all my my secrets, but I make sure that the audience has an experience watching me because I think it's one of those things that you have to, you can't just get up there and and talk. You have to walk the walk as well. Um, But also, um, you know, obviously people listening to your show are podcast lovers. Um, I have a show called Experience This, which is uh, really fun. It's, um, it is, every episode has three different segments where we explore great customer experience stories. It's all very positive and meant to be inspirational. So you can take it back to your business and, uh, and try to replicate what some other uh, successful companies have done. Um, you can check me out on Forbes where I'm a regular contributor about the idea of how 
customer experience can be your best marketing. And um, let's see, my website is dangingus.com and I'm on Twitter at dgingus. I love Twitter. It's my favorite social media channel. And because I practice what I preach, I will always respond if you reach out to me. <laughs> that's awesome. And guys, check out Dan's Forbes articles. Um, that's where that's where Dan and I became connected. He's got some awesome awesome stuff there and he literally has all of the, this great content that you absolutely can pull right back into your business and apply it directly to your day-to-day -day and your team and your processes so awesome stuff there dan it's been a pleasure man having you on the show i'm so pumped that you were able to to come on and talk with us and uh, I, I look forward to to keeping in touch with you in the future and you know i think that from some of our conversation it'd be awesome if we could figure out how to get you back on the show again in the future and then definitely keep this conversation moving forward yeah, that'd be great. Uh, we CX folks have to stick together, right? Because uh, uh, this is a movement yeah. and uh, it needs all of us in order to be successful. But I love what you're doing here on the show and uh, I really appreciate you having me on. It's been a fun conversation. Absolutely, Dan. It's been our pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of CX Chronicles. Be sure to subscribe, save, and share with all of your fellow CXers. And until next time, make happiness a habit, CX Chronicles Nation. Check us out at cxchronicles.com.